Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Maranatha Mathletics, a podcast where we maneuver one math problem at a time. I'm your host, Sean Stell, a.k.a. Sean, and today we are going to take a brief look at the law of gravity. Where did it come from, and how did it help us visualize interplanetary orbits? Let's find out. The law of gravity starts with Sir Isaac Newton, you know, the same Italian mathematician who founded all of the beautiful math equations you learned ranging from calculus to the three laws of motion. This law in particular came after Newton's attempt to show the forces of interplanetary orbit were the same as the forces on Earth as well and could therefore be calculated based on these similarities. According to Britannica, this idea Newton got was from his predecessors, Copernicus and Kepler's Three Laws of Gravity, which explained how the moon, sun, and earth all rotated together. Newton attempted to bring something new to the table by synthesizing their ideas and explaining how they were all universal to the same forces experienced on earth. Now that we know about the brief history about the equation, let's write it out. For this section, I would suggest bringing a pen and a paper to the table so you can track along with me. First, the law is supposed to find the force of attraction between two objects, so we'll start with a big F and an equal sign. F means force of attraction. Gravity is dependent on the mass of one or two objects, stated as mass of one or mass of two. The one and two are the subscripts of the two different objects. And then we add the distance R squared. Uh, for this context, to, the distance is measured by R instead of D, which is a little unconventional. Which, and then that will divide the values of M1 and M2 to express the square inverse relation between the attraction and distance of the objects. There's one more variable and that is big G. The universal constant of gravity, aka 6.67408 times 10 to the negative 11th power. Wow, that's a really big and small number. That is going to multiply with the fraction, leaving the equation force of attraction equals to big G times m1 m2 divided by r squared. This is also important to mention that the equation goes in part with Kepler's three laws of planetary orbit, which state that planets move in elliptical orbits in a common plane with the sun at focus, and the ratio of amount of time it takes for a planet to complete one orbit squared and the length of the longer axis of the ellipsid cubes are the same for all planets, according Cowell from the American Mathematical Monthly. What Newton was able to do with this law was to find the mechanism through two ways the inverse square law, and the relationship between M1 and M2, which altogether leads to force. Modern scientists were further capable of elaborating the physical use of the equation. According to academic.oup, Sereno and Jetzer were able to make a claim how a departure from the inverse square law could affect the radial motion of a body around a central mass, and a change in Kepler's third law will occur. The two highlight a key element in Newton's equation, the inverse square law between the distance and the force of attraction. This property was then used to further elaborate on an equation, omega squared times the distance equals to gn times the mass of the object affected by the gravity divided by r squared, to explain the relationship between one accelerating moving body and the object it's rotating on. Serrano also clarifies the chunk of variables w square r represents 
a test body in a circular orbit, which is caused by the force of attraction that ultimately causes the object to orbit. Already, we can discern some key elements within this equation. W squared R represents the force of attraction between interplanetary orbits, while GN represents the big G. What is special about this equation is that it is affecting only the mass of an individual object, leading G to only multiply with just 1m. Altogether, Sereno's equation essentially substitutes the terms of the original Newtonian equation, but adds further context to planetary orbits. With this, Sereno and Jetzer were capable of explaining his claim that affecting the R-squared value will ultimately cause a change in orbit. But how? If we envision an elliptical rotation between the Earth and the Sun, the distance at the longer axis would have less gravitational attraction to the Sun because of that inverse R-squared relationship. Therefore, as there are less gravitational attraction, there is also less force acted on the rotation making the acceleration of the object less. The same would be true for the shorter side of the ellipses. As the R-squared value increases, the more force the object is going to have and therefore would cause Earth to accelerate. This relationship is what Sereno and Jetsu were trying to find out when attempting to explain interplanetary attraction. In summary, the significance of Newton's law of gravity allows a further extension of Kepler's three laws of orbit. Sereno and Jenser were able to further elaborate on its uses by applying specific terms into orbit. This would help provide a better understanding of the objects that orbit around Earth as well as the objects that orbit around Sun. Till next time, I'm Sean Stow, aka Sean, and thank you for watching.